It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You may also like... A show about the things you may also like. Things like a live interview with Olympian Mercedes Nickel. Mercedes Nickel, who is a Olympian, snowboarder, mental health advocate, and so much more. And you're joining us today from British Columbia, specifically. I'm in Whistler, British Columbia. Tell me a little bit about snowboarding. When did you first snowboard? Yeah, so I grew up skiing. My whole family, everyone in my family skis. And then we moved to Whistler full-time when I was 12 years old. It was the mid-90s and everyone was trying snowboarding. So that's kind of when I picked it up. I was probably about 13 and then 14 started competing. You did some figure skating too. (laughs) I did do some figure skating, yeah. So in Ontario, I was pretty competitive in figure skating. But when you move to Whistler, it's like a smaller rank, not as many opportunities. You have to drive to the city. And also that like, it's a different camaraderie between figure skaters and snowboarders. So I gave that up quite quickly once I moved to Whistler. What precipitated your family's move to uh, Whistler? So my dad actually was supposed to go to the Olympics for ski racing, but he broke his leg, unfortunately. Similar story to current Derek Livingston, who was supposed to go to his third Olympics, but he just broke his leg, so he's not able to compete there. So yeah, he was a skier through and through. He worked for a real estate company, which took us from Vancouver to Toronto for nine years. And then he retired out here in 95 when I was 12. Did you have any thoughts about taking up skiing or what really led you to make the switch to to go sideways and do the snowboard? Good question. I had kind of like skied everything on Whistler and Blackcomb and I was like just looking for a new challenge and snowboarding was that and all my friends were kind of doing it. And then it snowballed into being the sport that came quite quickly and easily to me and I kind of had a natural talent for it. And I, I honestly probably didn't put skis on for 10 years after that. What would you tell a skier to convince them to become a snowboarder? It's a quick learning curve. It only takes about three days to learn, but you're going to be a little bit sore. But I don't know. It's just something different. It's a different way to get around the mountain if you're looking to kind of challenge yourself and change things up a little bit. By the way, the two body parts that are going to hurt are going to be your knees and your butt. Yeah. (laughs) And watch out for those wrists. People seem to break their wrists a lot. So tell me about the Olympic experience, because I believe it started in 2010 for you. So what's the moment when you're like, yeah, I could be doing this and I could be doing it here? Actually, 2006. So I went to four games and it started in Italy. But before that, It was the 2002 Olympics. I kind of had just gotten on the national team when I was like 16, I think. And we were in Chile and everyone was trying to qualify for the 2002 Winter Olympics. And it was, I believe, like one of the last contests to qualify. And here I am fresh on the scene. I'm like, 
I want to go to the Olympics too. And I was like, no, it takes like a full year of competing to qualify for the Olympics. So that kind of put the fire under me. It was really cool back in the day because Halfpipe was the only freestyle event. And to see so many amazing snowboarders, snowboarding is like a pretty small bubble. And to see the people that wanted to go to the Olympics, I mean, obviously there's Terry A. Hackinson who boycotted the Olympics and he didn't go doesn't believe in that kind of stream of snowboarding. But um, the other people, I was like, this is cool. Like, I want to compete against the best of the best. So it was probably 2001 when I was in Chile that I was like, all right. And then I had to wait four more years because they happen every four years. I'm trying to remember if, and I think it was announced that, you know, Vancouver would be a host in 2010. So I'm yeah. thinking like, okay, I'm going to go in 2006, but down the road, I'm going to get a shot right in my own backyard. Well, I didn't know that. Like they didn't call that until after my first games and sports pretty political. I almost changed. My parents are both English. I almost changed to the UK a couple of times. I looked into it. And then when I heard the Olympics were going to be in Canada, I was like, nope, I want to, now I know what the Olympics are all about. I want to walk in last with the home country and hear that crowd. And and I don't regret that. So that's come up a couple of times. I, by the way, did not know that you had that option. We've heard and seen that pop up a few times. We see it a lot in soccer where, you know, you make a decision to play for Canada or maybe for England. What were some of the decisions that went in for you to play for Canada? What are you weighing when you're thinking about that? Funding, for sure. It's not easy to be a Canadian athlete by any means. Luckily, I had amazing sponsors at the time. But I mean, at the same time, I couch surfed my way to the 2010 games. Like I was sleeping on friends' couches at competitions in Colorado and kind of everywhere. It wasn't easy. And I thought maybe there was more funding with the UK. And also, I didn't really get along with the coach. So I was really doing everything on my own and living in the States on my own without coaching and stuff like that. So I'm going to assume that you have to do the hustling too, to get your funding corporately. If you do run into a corporate sponsor and then, you know, here you are a snowboarder, it's a little bit renegade with the snowboard. If they're going to be allotting funds for corporate sponsorship, I think with the Winter Olympics, I mean, the sexy ones always figure skating and then maybe- Oh, I don't think they get that many corporate sponsors. It's just tough to be a Canadian athlete. So donate where you can, everyone. Who did help you out in the end? So I had uh, 10 years I was on Powder Room, which is a Canadian outerwear company. And then I had Drake snowboards. Like my whole kit was fulfilled and I, I got gear, but I also did get paid to snowboard, which makes a big difference nowadays probably a little bit more difficult for everyone out there. The first thing to go when the economy is not great is marketing. And so then the athletes are the marketing and that is what goes. So 2008 was a banger for snowboarding, <laughs> losing a lot of funds there. And then, yeah, 2014, that company got bought and then folded. The powder room outerwear company was my main one for a long time, which was, I'm so grateful. We went on amazing trips. Like, a funny story, actually. They make catalogs, obviously, for all the gear. And this is one of the companies that started long ago using the athletes in the catalogs rather than models, which I completely respected. But we went on the craziest trips. Like on one of our last catalog shoots, we were in Vegas and we went to shot at all of the wedding chapels. 
And in the girls' catalog, we were the brides in the snow gear. And in the guys' catalog, we were the brides in brides' dresses and bridesmaids' dresses. (laughs) You know, the Olympics seem rather cruel because if you fall, you don't really get a chance to redeem yourself for four years. And then I look at someone like Tom Brady, who gets another chance next week for 17 consecutive weeks. And if you're a hockey player, there's 84 games. And I know there's a little finality with the playoffs and such, but what is it like just before you're about to go down the hill on your first run at the Olympics? There's definitely nerves going on and you just got to, I mean, it's different for everyone. Some people just got to like dance it out at the top. Some people are like visualizing their runs. I probably did a little bit of both of those. And I also had music in my ears to kind of let me like calm my nerves and think about something else. But you're just like in focus overdrive because it's really like 30 seconds that you're about to go down and do your first run. And then if you land your first run, you're like relieved and you can go back up and try and do something a little bit better. Do you have any other techniques you would use to quell performance anxiety? Oh, yeah. Breath work. There's like the one where you use your fingers and close one nose and hole and then the other and stuff like that. So for sure, breath work helps a lot. I'm so upset with myself because I'm supposed to know that technique. I know the technique. I just don't know the formal name of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me neither. I mean, but it works. I mean, if you can do it, that's all that matters. Stand by. The benefits of being partnered with a yoga instructor. Hello. Honey. What is the move in yoga where you block one nostril, breathe up the left nostril, and then down the right nostril? Is it Nadi Shodan? Nadi Shodana. Cool. What's for dinner? I'm making beef stroganoff. Yum. Thanks, love. Okay. Okay, bye. What's a backside 900? A backside 900 is two full rotations in the half pipe. So you go up regular, well, I'm a regular rider, so my left foot's forward, and I do two full spins up a 22-foot wall outside of 22-foot wall. You start with your left foot, two full rotations, and you land with your left foot forward. And was that the move that so where you had your fall in Sochi? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so in Sochi, it's interesting if people are watching the Olympics right now, they'll notice there's kind of a chalky consistency in the snow. It's all man-made snow. And if you go back to Sochi, which I know is a long time ago, that was more like granular snow. It was kind of like if you were walking through, it's kind of like walking through sand. It was not good snow. All the moisture had been sucked out of it. So it wasn't binding to each other, therefore making it really tricky in the half pipe because sometimes you'd go up the wall and it would be fine. It would be hard. And sometimes the wall would just like give away or even the flat bottom, which is in the middle of the half pipe when you're going across at your like top speed. Sometimes that would just crack open to this like sandy snow and you just ate crap right there, which was awful. So for me, my last round of practice taking off to do a backside 900 and the snow on the like right on my takeoff gave away. You can, I have video of it. So I couldn't get my full rotation in and I ended up clipping the deck, landing on my hip and face. But I did get back up and compete because I didn't know I was super concussed at the time until later that evening.
Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. You may also like Supports Podcasting 2.0, so feel free to send us a boost if you are listening on a newer podcast app. If you don't have one, you can see a full list of them at newpodcastapps.com. So looking back on those Olympics and thinking about you know the background, it was very green. There was a lot of green. So here's a ski hill with, a, with some snow. Well, where are we talking? Sochi. Oh, Sochi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They, they had to push a lot of snow down. Yeah. And then you're looking around, wait a second, there's a lot of green in and around the area. It doesn't look right. Well, we have a test event the year before and there was so much snow. Like we rode powder and there were avalanches and that hill out there was amazing. It was all time, like really cool. But yeah, you think back to Vancouver too, where they were like trucking in snow and you're just like, is this going to happen? And then in Sochi, they had to like bring snow down from the top of the mountain. It was warm, and I personally prefer a warm Olympics. It's better for the halfpipe, a little softer, a little more forgiving. Obviously, not great conditions in Sochi, but they're competing right now in like minus 18, and I remember Korea being really cold, like one of the coldest places too. So you found out later that night you had a concussion. At the bar. (laughs) At the bar. Yeah, I walked into the bar and the lights and the sound got me and I puked right away. And I was like, oh, I think I'm pretty concussed. (laughs) There's really not much you can do for a concussion other than just let it heal. Am I right? I mean, your rehab is just. It takes time. Yeah, it's time. time. Yeah. And a lot of like when I came home, I had to do. Luckily, I have like a solid crew of staff that helped me here just in the community. And my doctor was like, you should probably go to the optometrist. And I was like, why do I need to go to the optometrist? And they're like, "Uh, your eyes aren't tracking properly. So not only was I just in bed, but I was had to do things with my eyes to get them tracking properly. And that also made me feel sick. There's so many different symptoms when you have a concussion too. And it wasn't just a concussion. I think you had a hip injury to go along with that. Yeah, my head smashed my hip. So that was kind of like a bone bruise to the hip, which is really annoying because, you know, if you hit something, you normally get a bruise and you see it. This was like so internal that like a bone bruise takes like a year to heal. 
and you don't always see the bruising come out. And I also smashed my face. So I had a black eye here for a month, which was also like a bone bruise to my orbital bone there. And then I had two vertebrae out of place that I didn't know about and probably cracked a bunch of ribs, but that's normal. When did you recognize that mental health was an obstacle for you in your training? I probably should have recognized it when I was in bed for three months in a dark room (laughs) alone, but it took me a year, a year when I saw a neuropsych and he was like, you're over your depression. Like you're, you're okay. And I'd already seen probably 14 different doctors by then and didn't know. I just knew my personality was gone. I didn't know I was depressed, but I think it does take that time to kind of realize and reflect on what you went through once you're out of it to know that there was that depression. It's a weird situation to be put in because you're just like, am I going to be me again? I don't know. Is this dull person with no light me now? But I worked really hard to kind of get that back and get sport back in my life. So yeah, it was for sure at least a year until I figured it out. So the first time that I spoke with you, we met in Mexico. (laughs) Yeah. Because I was depressed this fall, like big time. But you went to go get some sun, which is a good Yeah. Did it work? Yeah, in a global pandemic, I left the country. (laughs) But it worked, right? It did a little bit. It took a couple weeks for the sun, the vitamin D to like sink in and for me to realize like, okay, you're going to be okay. But also I did a podcast series where I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not doing anything that I've learned over the years. Like I'm not setting any tiny goals. I'm not working out. I'm not taking vitamin D while I was in Whistler. And uh, it's easy to fall off sometimes. So yeah, Mexico did help for sure. Who's your celebrity crush? (laughs) That's such a random question and hard to think about on the spot. I mean, I started watching Euphoria. So it might be that actor Jacob, even though he's an asshole in that, but he's in the kissing booth and he's really nice. Jacob, I don't know what his name is. Okay, so you get to take him on a trip. Oh, but Casey from, oh my gosh, sorry. Then it's like Yellowstone and Luke Grimes because he's older, but he's married. So you get to go to one resort on planet Earth, take him snowboarding. I don't think they'd like that. Where are you going though? Probably here. Probably Whistler. I love it here. Unless we could like an ultimate budget, I would go to Japan. What is it about Japan that I don't know about? A, they're super nice there. It's nice to go there. And B, the snow is usually really light and fluffy and kind of untouched powder everywhere. You don't have to race for it. By the way, you're recording this at nine in the morning your time. I thought that was early, but then I remembered we're in the middle of the Olympics. So are you uh, staying up late or getting up early to watch? It seems that like all the extreme sports happen to be in the evening. So I was up till midnight yelling at my computer and TV because it was the end of the women's snowboard cross where we got a bronze. It's so exciting for me. I didn't think it would be this exciting for me, to be completely honest. How did you think it was going to be for you? Because this is sort of you know the first one you're not really involved yeah. with. I mean, I have a lot of energy. Sometimes people ask me if I drink coffee and I don't because this is just me without coffee. So it'd be awful with coffee. I didn't know what to expect, honestly. Like, would I be sad? Would I be happy? And I'm just overjoyed watching it. 
I'm sad that I'm not there with my teammates because half of the team have been to those games before. So I definitely miss that. And I, and I miss like seeing everyone, but I'm pretty much just yelling at people through my TV. So I feel like they can feel it. Who's your best friend who's at the Olympics competing? I don't know. That's a tough one. I would say it would probably be like a coach who's it's like Mael because I grew up with her and she's coaching the border cross. I got a lot of friends in the hockey team and I used to get to see them all the time when I was in Calgary, like Rebecca, Jill and Pooh. So I was like legit yelling at the TV when the hockey was on and someone was touching Rebecca Johnson. I was like, do not touch her. Do not mess with her. <laughs> But no, there's like tons of people, like the sliders, the bobsledders, the losers. You kind of become like a close family at the Winter Games because there's smaller villages and uh, less athletes and you just kind of all hang out together. I do know that you like to paint. What do you paint? I use acrylics and I kind of paint whatever I feel like <laughs> if I see something and I just want to do it. I have like, I've done a couple pandas. I just finished this like little, I don't even know what it is. It's like a fox slash panda. I just see things and then I paint them or I have like a dream and then I'll paint that. And also on the artistic side, you've got a podcast. Why did you start a podcast? Brent asked me to start a podcast. <laughs> And I was like, are you sure? Okay. I didn't know really what I was getting myself into, but I actually really love it. I love asking everyone questions. Like that is my education for me. I can ask anyone anything and get away with it. On the podcast journey, you've, I mean, you've got about 30 plus episodes already up there. Over 50 now. 50 now. Ooh, yeah. Can't believe it. What have you learned by doing a podcast? Okay. so. Actually, I was on an interview with a snowboarder and I was like, would you ever like to do like editing? And he was like, yes. And I was like, I never want to do that. That sounds awful to me. I had to like learn how to do all of it. I'm a one gal show over here on dropping in and I'm pretty grateful for that. It's like full control. I, I can work at my own pace and learned a lot. Did you ever think that you would have to edit audio? No, I got to know GarageBand and iMovie pretty well. It's been a journey for sure. It's funny. It's like, okay, we're going to do a podcast. And I was like, okay, I've learned how to do the audio. And then the network's like, okay, we want you on, on YouTube. And I was like, oh, okay, I didn't think that was ever going to happen. And then we're going live now, which I haven't done yet, but I'm pre-recording things. And then also really cool in uh, Whistler, I'm on the local channel. Some of my episodes are up there on TV. So Last night, I was flicking through the channels, and I was like, ooh, do I watch the Olympics? But dropping in is on. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so you're part of the Dean Blundell Network, which is something that we're working with now these days. And I've gotten to know your podcast over the last little while, and of course, gotten to know you as well. And you know, we've decided to do this live today. I'm not comfy with the live thing <laughs> as much. Are you more audio, or are you more video? I feel like I'm both. I kind of just make it work for both. When I record now, I just make it seem like it's going live, but I haven't done that yet. I know it's a little ways in the future. We're in February. What are you going to be doing after the Olympics are done? Well, we got the Paralympics, which I've never been able to watch because if you're a competitor at the Olympics, 
at least for snowboarding and freestyle, there's still events after the Olympics. So I was always off competing at more competitions after the Olympics. It's not the be-all and end-all of the season. So yeah, we got the Paralympics coming up. And then I'll be in Whistler. I do a ride with an Olympian program for Whistler Blackcomb. So it's an opportunity for guests to take private lesson with me, which I love. And then I'll be working on the podcast too. All the connection points to everything mentioned here, by the way, are going to be in the show notes of the episode. Your podcast is available, of course, wherever great podcasts are passed out. And your website, mercedesnickel.com. Thanks so much for being on this podcast. I really enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. I hope everyone's having fun watching the Olympics. Thanks for listening to You May Also Like. You may also like our website at youmayalsolike.net. The show is produced by Evan Serminski and built for your ears by everyone at the Sound Off Media Company. Jeff Woods and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know? And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from jeffwoodsradio.com. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com.